Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, hey, issue 10 of DC Primetime, now on podcast stands. Uh, and we're coming to you a day late, but that's all right. Uh, our usual day of recording is Sundays, but, you know, yesterday being Easter Sunday, we are coming to you a day late. So we apologize for that, uh, as well as uh, uh, both of us being sick as dogs over the weekend. Rob's still recovering as well, so... Apologies in advance if you hear either one of us cough in the process of doing this podcast. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. I apologize. Yeah, that, no, uh, you know, so I'm sure people will understand, you know, that that man that it's going around and it's 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 nasty. Uh, but from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from Caffeine Crew, I am Rob Martin. And we are coming to you with another full podcast, finally. We have the return of Arrow and Flash back this week, with along with Supergirl. And no DC Legends of Tomorrow, but replacing that, we're going to give you our spoiler-full topic of Batman versus Superman, uh, which opened in theaters this past weekend. So you have been warned... Uh, that towards the end of this podcast, after our discussion of the shows, we will be spoiling the hell out of Batman versus Superman. Indeed. And we will also probably, we're probably, you know what, let's just go ahead and just throw it in the mix where Legends would be. So let's throw that in the bullet point. We'll do it that way. And then when we get to the end of Secret Origins, we'll we'll just tackle it the same way we would Legends. That eh, All right. That works for me. Uh, so with that being said, we'll get started. Then we'll go right into the bullet point And we'll start off first with episode 17 of Supergirl titled Manhunter. Uh, we'll start with you, Rob. Legend, hero, or sidekick? Ah, this is my very, very first legend for Supergirl. I <laughs> adored this episode. Um, not only did I get Martian Manhunter finally, finally eating Chaco. Oh, damn it! I was hoping we were going to save that for uh, Secret Origins, but that's all right. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. That was that was an important part for me. Yes. Um, but no, it was just, it was wonderfully done. This was like the White Martians episode, but more. It was like the heart we had from the last couple episodes, plus that. Yes, so. agreed. Uh, I am 100% with you on this one. This is a two-week in a row for me with Supergirl being legend. So this, this show is getting stronger and stronger, uh, finally, fi- finally starting to find its stride as it's going through. So uh, I've been very pleased for the past couple weeks with Supergirl. And so. tonight, I can't wait to watch tonight after we record. Oh, I know, yeah. After we record, it's going to be the first thing we do is go right over to uh, to CBS because tonight is World's Finest uh, or World's Greatest. With uh, Is it World's Greatest uh, no, or World's it, Finest? It, it is World's Finest. World apostrophe S. That's it. Finest. Okay. Yeah, World's Finest, so. which is the long-awaited Supergirl Flash crossover. So I'm very much hyped for this. I can't wait to see it. Uh, but next on the list, we have Trajectory, which is The Flash, Season 2, Episode 16. Uh, and I'll start us off with this one. I, this is a pretty strong hero one for me. I was happy to see a female speedster for once. And big reveal at the end of the episode as well, uh, which we'll get into but secret or- with Secret Origins. But yeah, uh, this is a strong hero for me. 
Uh, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm, I'm gonna, again, it's coming out of legend status for both of us, um, but I will say it was a strong hero. Okay, yeah, great. Uh, and then next up, we have the Return of Arrow Season 4, Episode 16, titled Broken Hearts. Uh, Rob, with you on this one. Ooh, okay, so, uh, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm gonna give this two ratings, alright? I know we normally don't do this, but I'm going to say Legend and Sidekick at the same time. Ooh. And I'll explain that when we get into Secret Origins. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Strong Hero with this one as well. I was very pleased with this one. Uh, and through this episode, I actually have a new theory for Casket Watch, which we'll get to a little bit later on when we get to Secret Origins as well. Uh, and I'm sure this one probably upset a number of people with a, uh, a certain thing they thought was going to happen and it turned out to be something completely different, uh, in this episode. So, uh, and finally throwing it in where DC Legends of Tomorrow usually stands, we have the theatrical release of Batman versus Superman. And, um, I guess I'll start with this one just because it's my turn. I know, Rob, you and I are on different paths with this. The ratings for this movie are all over the place. The ratings and reviews are all over the place. Indeed. Um, and I went into this one both as a film reviewer and a film fan. Uh, and I'm giving this one a... I'm right in the middle of this one. It's not a weak hero, but it's not a strong hero. It's it's an okay hero for me. I... Had some moments that I loved and some moments that left a lot to be desired. So I'm, I'm right in the middle. Okay. Well, I mean, like I said, for me, I would say, you know, this is a hard call for me because uh, unlike a lot of critics, I've actually really enjoyed this. But the movie is not without faults um, in the same way that, you know, if you've gone back and if you've listened to Caffeine Crew when we did our Star Wars Force Awakens one, um, you know, we love the movie. But again, there was there were some faults there. Uh, but with Batman versus Superman... The fanboy in me says legend, but if I have to really look at it in a real light, um, this gets a hero. It gets a strong hero for me, but uh, but it doesn't quite make it over the peak. But I'm still interested in the DC, you know, DC universe as a whole. Okay, cool. That's a, yeah, works for me. Uh, so we'll get into those a little bit later on, obviously. Uh, later on into the Secret Origins, but we're going to move into Secret Origins now, uh, starting off with uh, Season 1, Episode 17 of Supergirl, titled Manhunter. Uh, John Jones reveals how he first met Jeremiah Danvers and assumed the identity of Hank Henshaw. So we get a little bit more of a look into the past of uh, John Jones, a.k.a. Martian Manhunter. And the one word, man, I was so... You have no idea how excited I was to see it and you had mentioned it during bullet points we finally got chacos i know I it was it, everything i've been waiting for all season long <laughs> i was so excited to finally see it uh you know how he mentions how did he mentions to alex danvers how did you know these were my favorite he's sitting in the jail cell and he's just sitting there eating those cookies and i loved that alone which was in the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Uh, and just a Alex just kind of being like, well, you know, when you like binge eat them at like three in the morning, they're beyond just something that you enjoy. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. It was, it was perfect. And just, he was so into it too. And I love the fact they did it. They actually did the Chaco's brand and all that stuff. And it made me smile. It really made me smile. Yeah. It, that alone, I think had already bumped the episode towards legend before the episode had even really got oh, started. Oh, that's, that's all I needed. I, if the episode was like eight minutes long and that's all we got, and I'm like, done, legend, moving on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but we got introduced to a new character, obviously, with um, 
uh, with Lucy Lang, Lucy Lane, uh, coming back into the picture, uh, we got introduced to Captain James Harper, aka Guardian. Uh, yeah. Not called Guardian so, in the show, but that that for people who are fans of the DC comic books, James uh, James Harper is Guardian. Yeah, it's somebody that you've been waiting for for a while. One of your old favorite characters too, going back from uh, Death of Superman. Yes, exactly. So I was very excited to uh, to to see James Harper, even though he was kind of a dick. Um, but I mean, but he, fitting. It, it was fitting in the role. It was, and I mean, for those people who aren't too familiar with James uh, with James Harper, aka Guardian, uh, he's kind of like an early DC version of Captain America. He's kind of DC's kind of. Captain America. A little so, bit. I, I, very, very much vigilante still, but I will say um, there's been a lot of variations of him over time. He's actually been somebody that's been cloned. Um, that and the clone has worked for Cadmus, which we get a tie into the fact that this James Harper is also at Cadmus. So uh, yeah, it's kind of the question of how deep they're going to go if this character is going to come back, and I would assume he probably will. Uh, I would like to see him come back. Uh, I would actually like to see more of Cadmus. Uh, you know, now that we got the first reference of that as well. Yeah, uh, and you can definitely tell we are because we did get a big reveal in, at the end of the episode, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute or two, that talks about Cadmus, so we know that's on the horizon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, further into the episode, we see that James Harper and Lucy are interrogating uh, Hank Henshaw uh, to when he to, – to went uh, back to when he became um, – he resumed the role of Hank Henshaw. Uh so we we got to see a little bit more of the past. We got to see the death of Hank Henshaw. We got to see the death, of, or the so-called death, of Jeremiah Danvers, which is Alex and Kara's father. Also played by um, Dean Cain. Yes. So, so. We, we got the return of Dean Cain as well. Um, so, yeah, I, we also got another big reveal, too, that was very important to the story, I think. And I think was something that was bound to happen at some point. Uh we have somebody new now who knows who Kara's identity is, or who Supergirl's identity is. Yes, um, you know, in the whole mess of everything with this episode was really the fallout of last week, or two weeks ago, and um, just the idea that now the, uh, you know, DEO, or DOE, or, sorry, <laughs> I can't remember it. DEO. DEO, yep. DEO. Um, as uh, locked up Hank, now they're kind of looking into everybody, and of course, who is going to do that? But Lucy. So uh, Lucy and James are the ones that are kind of going through the motions and doing the interrogations. And uh, because things get so intense, Alex also gets locked up and kind of charged with treason and getting sent to Cadmus along with Hank. Um, you know, James and Kara think it's the best time now to explain to Lucy who exactly she is. And see if they can kind of appeal to her better nature. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and as you had mentioned, they, it gets revealed from from James Harper that Alex and Jean Jones are going to be taking to Cadmus Labs. And once it's revealed by, um, I forget who it is who mentions what exactly Cadmus is, but Cadmus is a place where they do a lot of genetic experiments on aliens and and you know and, and metahumans and such. Uh, it's actually uh, James brings that up. It's because he mentions the fact that Clark knew about it but never could find it. Okay. And that is what entail gets James and Kara to reveal to Lucy that uh, Kara is Supergirl. So because they're going to need Lucy's help in order to, to get them out of there because they don't want them in a place like that, obviously. 
So uh, next up after that, we have uh, Lucy and Kara on motorcycles um, performing a jailbreak to get uh, John Jones and Alex out of out of custody from uh, from James Harper. And I keep I, I keep wanting to say Guardian, but he, he they never refer to him as Guardian, so I don't I it's don't okay. want to refer to him as Guardian too. It's okay. I want to call him Pete still from Warehouse Thirteen. I'm having a hard time not <laughs> mixing him up in my brain. It's tricky. Yeah, it's so, it's kind of like when we talk Legends of Tomorrow, like when you say you know. Rip I, I keep calling Rip Rory. Yeah, it's it's hard <laughs> not to do, especially in a time travel show. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's very similar to Doctor Who. Indeed. So, um, but we get to we get the realization now that uh, Lucy's going to be sticking around for a while because she is the new, um, uh, the new leader of the DEO. Now that yeah. Martian Manhunter is not around, and um, James Harper has kind of had his memory erased a little bit. Yeah, um, like I said, we do see uh, the Martian kind of dive into his head a little bit and actually mess around, which was cool. Um, I will say again, too, the effects work on him this week also were just beautiful. Fantastic. Um, I'm loving, because it's such a nice combination between actual practical effects and some CG to kind of touch him up a bit. And uh, they do a great job with it. And uh, I'm actually becoming more and more impressed with this show as it's been going on. Like, I, I know we both agreed the last, like, three episodes of the show had been on this really nice, steady uptick. Um, and I think that even started back, you know, going back to, like, the Black Mercy storyline, Bizarro, that it started kind of getting out of its rut and finding its footing. And it's it, it seems like it's on a nice, constant uphill climb. And I'm really excited to see, especially now with tonight's episode, um, to see how that continues on in this show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure with tonight's episode with Flash coming over, uh, they're going to know that a lot of people are going to be tuning into this episode and they're going to be putting their best foot forward for this. Indeed. They're they're going to be going all out for, for this episode. So I'm I'm very, very excited after the past couple episodes to see the step up in this one. Right. So uh, and finally, before we I know um, uh, we saw a couple big reveals at the end of the episode for starters at the end of the episode when. Uh, you know, Martian Manhunter is doing his little brain thing to James Harper. We get a big reveal that when he sees inside of his brain that uh, Jeremiah Danvers is still alive and now in Cadmus Labs. Right. Uh, whether he's being experimented on, we don't quite know. Like that was one of the things that they really hit across was uh, with Alex being taken away this week is uh, what happens to people that are not extraterrestrials at Cadmus. So it's the question. It's what's really happening to him. Um, and I'd actually be very interested to see, uh, again, I, this is weird, random speculation on my part, but, um, it seems like we haven't seen the end of the original Hank Henshaw. I think they kind of teased that that story is not quite done a little bit in this episode. I could be wrong, but I, I, you know, if anybody knows, you know, the original Hank Henshaw, um, was, you know, Cyborg Superman in New 52. He's actually the father of Kara Danvers. And I'm kind of wondering now if they're going to do something interesting where we maybe see Jeremiah Danvers become old school cyborg Superman, which would be kind of cool because Dean Cain played Superman. That would be kind of cool. I never even thought about that. So it was something I was kind of mulling over in my head uh, the last day or two since I watched the episode. And I think it would be a kind of a, a great nod to the fact that he used to be a very beloved Superman on TV and 
you know, kind of mixing up the uh, Hank Henshaw story and the Jeremiah story a little bit. It's almost the same way that the Flash is using John Wesley Ship. Um, you know, as a nice little nod to the original Flash. Uh, right. You know, now they're bringing in you know Dean Cain. They've brought in Dean Cain and Supergirl to play um, Alex Danvers' father. Or, you know, Jeremiah Danvers. But if they made him, you know, Cyborg Superman. Um, that would be kind of cool. It would be a nice little nod to him originally playing Superman, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's a wait and see. I mean, like I said, I think it's wishful thinking, but I would love if they did it. I think it would it would fit in very well with the way that they're running the show. Yeah. Do we think at any point we're actually going to get to see, and I'm hoping we do, uh, we're going to get to see inside Cadmus Labs? I, I think it's coming. I think between, I know we have... Um, you know, non big project that he's been working on. Uh, it, the name of it's escaping me at the moment. Um, but uh, between that project and then Cadmus happening, I I think that's where the season's going to wrap up. Oh, are we... good... go ahead. Oh, no, oh, that's it. Oh, I was going to say, do you think we're going to possibly see... Now, again, this is going old school back to, like, Death of Superman storyline. Uh, are we going to see, like, Auron or Dublex inside of Cadmus Labs? I think that uh, might be a I, bit of a stretch for this show. It, it might be, but I'm not quite sure. It would make sense if they threw a couple extra aliens into the mix running running in the scenes of Cadmus because that's the way it's always been. And the whole show is about, you know, the DEO stopping alien threat. So it would be an interesting way to tie that together. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they may consider going into that route. But um, again, we still have the entire non-story to wrap up. There's not many episodes of this show left for this season. And that means they have an awful lot to do. We also now have... Alex and John Jones out of the picture for the time being. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Um, I, if they do do, if they do explore more of Cadmus, I'd like to see that more in season two. Than... I think that might be a season two arc more so. Yeah. Cause I, I think it's more time, it's seemed... more time to do things with it. Right. I think that's something you could really stretch out and kind of build upon a lot more. Um, and I think that's fine. Uh, the only other thing we didn't mention about yet this week is, uh, we did see Siobhan come back. Um, you know, her and Wynn's relationship um, has a very bumpy end, to say the least. <laughs> yeah. We joked about it the uh, about a week or two ago um, when we were talking about this. Is She had that very Tover Grace version of uh, Eddie Brock from Spider-Man 3, where I must stop Kara Danvers at all costs. And, uh, and we now know she's a meta um, on top of that. So it's... Um, but yeah, they're doing the very, uh, I, I, you know, sole purpose in life is to to shut down Kara. And the way she tried to do that this week was trying to write a nasty letter to Cat Grant um, by uh, using Kara's machine at the office, which uh, blew up in her face pretty bad. So, yeah, and uh, it's um, and we see at the end of the episode after. Uh, her confrontation with Cat Grant after this, that she is on the roof of a building somewhere, and she drunkenly falls off and saves herself by her scream, which is the Silver Banshee's abilities. Yeah. So so it's uh, kind of cool to see that uh, maybe it was just uh, a heightened emotion finally uh, released her, her metagene, and I think that's probably exactly what it was. And uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of excited now that we ha- actually have a meta, like an actual meta in the show. So aside from straight up aliens. Yeah, exactly. And we, we still don't know yet um, the background of metahumans in Supergirl. You know, in Flash, we know where they come from. Uh, you know, they come from the explosion of the laboratory, but uh, we don't know how they're developed in Supergirl. They might just exist. There might not be any real creation for it. 
It might, it might just be a gene that needs to be unlocked. So, which was a nice wrap up of the episode leading into, as we've mentioned a number of times already, this week's crossover with the Flash, which is going to entail both Silver Banshee and Livewire. Yeah. So very excited. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited, and I'm glad they set her up and revealed her as Silver Banshee before going into the episode as well. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, so that's going to wrap things up for Supergirl this week. Uh, moving on now to The Flash. Season 2, Episode 16, Trajectory. Uh, Trajectory arrives in town intent on creating maximum chaos. Uh, Trajectory's antics are misinterpreted as having been uh, perpetrated by the Flash himself. Barry must thus act quickly to uncover the mystery of who is causing the damage in which others think it is him. And he may be driving their mad desire for speed. Oh, and what may be driving their mad desire for speed and destruction. So, um, you know, as we had mentioned, we get our first look at a female speedster for this episode. uh, Played by... um, Oh, God, what the hell is her name? I can't remember. Uh, Allison Page. Yes. Uh, who did great, by the way. I actually really enjoyed her in this role. I did enjoy her performance, too. And it was funny. When I was watching the episode, my brain, like, was trying to go through the old Rolodex of my brain of the character names. And I'm like, trajectory. And I'm like, and it, it drove me nuts. And then it hit me later on that night after we watched the episode as uh, this is a speedster, not part of the speed force. And the way that they kind of had her harnessing her speed was using... No, Velocity 9, um, in the comic world. She was actually created by Lex Luthor, uh, part of the Everyman Project, which I believe was took place during a storyline called 52. Um, this is obviously before the new 52, but um, but the uh, it was the idea of Lex giving everyday people superheroes, like superhero abilities, and a Trajectory was one of them, and most of them actually died because most of them could not sustain the process yeah so i i once i kind of clicked i was like oh of course she was gonna die it makes a lot of sense yeah and i think in the comic books uh another fault of hers where whereas this one in the trajectory in the in the show um you know she would lose her speed ability and she would have to take more velocity nine which you know became an addiction to the drug and i think in the comic books trajectory actually couldn't slow down without a drug um uh I can't quite remember. It'll take. I'll definitely have to go back and check it out because the Everyman stuff that they did was pretty cool, which spun off into the people that survived that Everyman project became uh, Infinity Inc., which is uh, John Henry Iron Steel, his daughter, uh, who was one of the experiments in that that actually ended up staying on as a hero. Yeah. Um, there was a nice little nod in this episode. I don't know if you picked up on it, and we get these every once in a while. We've gotten them more in, in Legends of Tomorrow with nods to Prison Break and such, uh, you know, with. Um, with those two guys being from Prison Break, but we got a nice little nod to Jesse L. Martin in this one. I don't know if you if you caught it. Uh, uh, the Law and Order. The yeah, Law and I... Order. Yes. So I was I was curious. I didn't pick up on it until the second time I I watched the episode. Yeah, I I really wish they like, when they cut that scene, there was just that little junk junk. You know, yeah. At the end. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty good. But yeah, there's a there's a moment where uh, trajectory remarks to Caitlin and, and to Joe, uh, you know, how very Law and Order of you. Yeah, so I, I thought that I, was that was pretty wonderful. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good too. Um, so I mean, I gave this a strong hero because not really, with the exception of dealing with trajectory until the end of the episode, we really didn't get a lot out of this episode. It was still enjoyable. It was. Um, the only other two things that really kind of happened in this was uh, Jesse Jesse Quick leaving for Opal City. 
Um, After yeah. being injected with Velocity 9. Yeah. Um, that was, I thought, was very interesting of if she has a metagene in her, if that kind of somehow triggers it. Because they did give her the blood transfusion um, that we did see after uh, she was injured by Trajectory. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that's going to go. I am very, too. Very, very curious. Uh, at one moment throughout the course of this episode, uh, Dr. Wells gives Jesse a watch that can... Um, that can find or it, it can I, why I'm at a loss for word. It can. It's uh, the uh, metahuman alert. It watch. can recognize. It can recognize uh, if there's a metahuman nearby. And mm-hmm. at one point, uh, when she goes to shake, um, God, Wally Wally's hand, it goes off. Yeah. Goes off twice. Yeah. So like, there's another moment. She's like, God, this thing's just you know, it thinks something's wrong with it. It's just acting up. So I think and, we're, uh, I think we're getting hints that Wally has the metahuman gene. And we just haven't seen the potential of it yet. And I think the, I think the producers have already come out and said he will be a speedster at some point. Yeah, and I'm sure it's going to happen before season's end. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really I was very happy that they did that because at first I was like, wait a second, was it she was because they shot it so well because she was standing right next to Barry when it happened, and then you they do it again and you're like, oh, you know, kind of interesting moment. I mean, Wally kind of was shoehorned into this episode, but just for that moment, really, it yeah, made sense. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, it put a smile on my face, though. Yeah, me, me as well. Uh, I I do hope we get to see Jesse come back sometime soon because I think she's a great addition to the team. And again, I mean, we have to see if she's going to have the metahuman gene. I don't know if it's going to be a metahuman gene though, because wouldn't the watch be going off on herself? Yeah, well, I mean, like she had it taken off already at that point prior to being injected by uh, the Velocity Nine, so it was already. She remember she gave that watch back to. Uh, well, she wrote the letter to Harrison, um, but uh, that was the end of it. Or was it actually the message in that watch? I well, forgot. the message was in the watch, but uh, yeah. but what I'm referring to is the fact that like Wally's gene hasn't been kind of like activated yet, but the watch still went off with Wally. So if if Jesse has the metahuman gene, it would have still gone off, wouldn't it? I guess so. Uh, it, there there's still a lot of questions to to kind of be asked around this stuff. I mean, we only kind of got a sliver of everything tonight, so um, or the other night, and uh, I'm I'm kind of curious. I think we need another episode or two to see if they can expand this out, but I think it's a little too early to go on anything. But it's a def- enough nods to to keep you thinking that these people may already have some some impact into the uh, speed force going soon. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, so before we, we wrap things up with a flash, obviously the last big thing I can think of that we have to mention is, um, the, the, how things end up with trajectory. And that is she takes the speed force or she takes the velocity nine and pretty much becomes, uh, her, her lightning becomes turns blue as it zooms and she pretty much, uh, becomes pure speed force. By the end of it, uh, she evaporates into nothingness. Yeah. And this is the big reveal to the gang uh, that um, this is when the gang comes to the realization that Jay Garrick is uh, is Zoom. Right. And uh, again, it's still the question of because we have a lot of questions to still be answered on that front um, because we still do have one dead Jay Garrick. So the question is this Zoom. Is he dead, though? Um, I don't know yet. It's tricky because he was holding his body. It's not that idea like where they mentioned here in the end of this episode. We have seen this, you know somebody with, you know, this speed force that's been able to appear in two places at the same time. Doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be carrying his corpse. Yeah. Um. So 
there there's definitely something else going on here that we don't quite know much about. Um, it's very possible that again the Hunter Zalman of Earth One um, that they mentioned that said is Zoom is dying of the same kind of uh, disease that Jay was. So it's very I'm very very curious to see how this is going to get explained out in the next couple of weeks. There's a lot they have to explain on this still because that just raised a lot more questions I think for the viewers. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very curious to see how that's going to continue. And I don't think they have, but I'm really hoping that the writers haven't dug themselves a hole too deep, you know, with with the explanation of this. I hope it doesn't get too complicated. I think I hope it's a fairly easy explanation, uh, you know, of how, as to how this is, because as you had mentioned, we still have, you know, it's been revealed to the gang, you know, the, the group believes that Jay is Zoom, but we still don't know that for sure. You know, this is just what they believe at the moment. This there could still be a lot more to the situation. They could be a two. They can be completely two different Jay Garricks. Uh, Zoom could be a Jay Garrick from another Earth that we haven't. You know, which would be our first exploration into, you know, Earth three or Earth four because there are multiple other Earths out there. You know, it right. could be a twin of Jay Garrick. It might not be Jay Garrick. Yeah, it could be. There's there's so many like possibilities, but I, I'm not too worried about this show not being able to explain it. They've taken the idea as something simple as time travel and paradoxes and multiple like universes and Earths, um, you know, very simply by going to the handy dandy whiteboard. And they always seem to get their point across in, in two minutes on the show. And uh, they do it well enough that the viewers are able to always walk away and understand. So I'm, I'm very curious what they're going to do, but I'm not too worried that they're not going to be able to stick the landing. Yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not really either. I'm just kind of hoping that it. Uh, you know, I have that 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 fear in the back of my mind, way in the back of my mind, that the the, the hole might be too big. But as you had mentioned, they do time travel, they do uh, you know different Earths. You know, it's difficult for one show for a show to do one of those properly, and this show is handling them both. So, you know, I have no, I, I I'm pretty confident that they'll. Uh, you know, they'll get it back. Uh, right. But next week uh, for The Flash is uh, episode 17, title flashback. And we're going to see time travel, as you had mentioned, with Barry going back to the past to uh, recruit his old arch nemesis, uh, Dr. Harrison Wells, a.k.a. Eobard Thawne, uh, to teach him how to run faster. Yeah, and we'll see, like I said, as we mentioned last week, uh, we'll see Pied Piper. We will also see uh, Eddie. Yeah, uh, back in the flesh. Yep. So we'll get to see Eddie come back as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on then to Arrow, episode 16 of the fourth season titled Broken Hearts. Uh, following the events of William's kidnapping, Damian Dark has become less powerful. Uh, but Carrie Cutter, a.k.a. Cupid, has emerged into Star City to cause chaos on the city and the Green Arrow. Um, so I, obviously we saw the return of Cupid in this episode. That That was the big thing about this and this time she is on a rampage she uh due to the death of um of um deadshot Deadshot, yeah Yeah. deadshot and who she and the original arrow who she does not realize is green arrow yes exactly Um, now before we get into this uh i did mention earlier that i said i gave this a sidekick and a legend um let me explain that really quickly okay and so for this episode, I'm going to say there was one third of this show was fantastic. And that was the courtroom drama stuff that was happening. Um, the Sarah Lance, Detective Lance story that was dealing with trying to lock up Damien Dark was exceptionally well done. Um, 
And beyond that, though, this episode was probably, I think, in my opinion, the absolute worst episode of Arrow I've ever seen. Um, it was a real shame because between the flashback stuff and the Cupid storyline, just how over the top it was, was just absolutely cringeworthy at points to the fact that they were even ma making, uh, you know, making comments about the lines of Cupid's first appearance. Again, that was just a bad line. To, I'm Cupid, stupid. Like, it was just... <laughs> It was, this episode was very cringe, uh, in a lot of points and it was, uh, rough to get through. Um, my, but if that, but like I said, thankfully they had the courtroom stuff that made me very interested to watch it. Um, I, yeah, I can agree with you. It feels like it's almost, uh, that, um, the, the Cupid storyline was pretty much the writers just bringing back a favorite, uh, to fill the time in between the storyline stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, it didn't feel like the you know the Cupid that we've seen the last two times was very fun, very Harley Quinn esque, and the Cupid that we get in this episode, being that damaged, broken one, just felt like they wanted to do something to address the Felicity and Arrow breakup, and that's all the episode was about. It was drama moment after drama moment. It was that very like as Kevin Smith puts it, he refers to these is you know my soaps, you know, um, and this was more soap opera esque I've, than I've ever seen this show. Um, and it was rough. <laughs> That's, I think, the only way I can really put it. This episode was very rough. Yeah. As Ed mentioned during the bullet points, you know, there was one thing that happened in this episode that people were assuming was something else leading up to this episode. And it turns out it was something completely different. Uh, we saw pictures uh, and production shots of a wedding between Oliver and Felicity. And a lot of people were assuming that that meant at some point in time, the two of them were getting back together and getting married. And it turns out that it was all for this episode, and it was all a sham. It was just something they had done to draw Cupid out of the woodwork since they were, since she was targeting celebrity marriages, uh, celebrity couples. Obviously, you know, in Star City, you can't get any bigger than, uh, you know, you can't get any bigger than Oliver and Felicity. And they actually referred to them as Olicity in this Olicity, episode. yes. On TV, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> but, but I will say this. I did say I gave this episode a legend, too. And, again, it was for the courtroom scene, but because the final fact that Elicity is over, it gets legendary status in my brain. <laughs> I hate that dynamic in that show so much. And it's not anything against either of the actors. I think they both do an exceptional job. This feels like it was, again, writers shoehorning in kind of fan outcry for these two characters. Um, and it was very forced in Season 3. It worked fine in Season 4, but the last couple of weeks that we've seen between the start and the shakeup of the breakup of, of them um, has been the driving force of the show. And uh, it's the wrong, wrong place that they need to be focusing on, especially because they're still doing flashbacks. They're not doing anything to kind of move the plot of the, the season forward. They're already losing, you know, 10 minutes a week to flashbacks. Then they're losing now. It seems like 20 minutes out of, you know, 42 um, just solely on these two characters. And it's uh, it's becoming a problem. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the flashbacks too, because I started watching this episode, and you know, within five minutes of the episode starting, it jumps into a flashback, and I, I no joke, uh, my first initial reaction was, oh, oh yeah, I forgot we have these. Yeah, you know, be I, because I, they're just they're filler for me now, and I, I just I can't wait till they end to get back to the main story. Yeah, it's I, like I said, Arrow season four has done a lot to make me happier with the show's directions since season three. I know you and me still are very 
you know, mixed on our thoughts on season three. I think there was a lot of fun things, but there was a lot of weak points. Um, and season four has done a good job with Damien Dark and everything else that's been happening. But this has been this it, it it's starting to fall back into its old uh its old habits from last season. And I want to make sure that they keep moving. I'd rather show me some more stuff with Curtis. You know, um, he's been a very interesting character that's not gotten a lot of screen time. And I would like to see a lot more of that happening. And we have a lot more to see on the team. Uh, they've been taking such a backseat uh, the last couple of weeks because of this drama going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that as well. Uh, I, I do enjoy, I did enjoy the courtroom part, you know, parts of this episode, as you had mentioned, uh, especially with uh, Detective or Captain Lance stepping up and pretty much putting his career on the line to, to get Damien Dark locked up. Yeah, and we we finally are starting to see, as we talked about a couple of weeks back, uh, Laurel is really becoming a character. Um, and I think that gets us closer and closer to that casket watch point. But that we uh, one of our speculations. And I, I guess this is as good, good a time as any for us to dive into casket watch. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, uh, this would probably be a good point for me to, to reveal my new theory, which uh, I don't know how much water it actually holds. Uh, but I did come up with a new theory, and I did... Uh, go over it with another friend of mine and he thinks it's a very interesting prospect uh, and he doesn't know exactly and I think it's more because of the fact that he just loves Felicity so uh, obviously he doesn't want to see her die and we know it's not Felicity in the coffin Uh, but I had a very interesting thought in that um, I I think we're going to get to a point where Damien is going to find out that Oliver is Green Arrow and he's going to start targeting people that are close to him, which is how we're going to get to the point where somebody, a bigger character is going to be in that coffin. Or we're going to be made to believe that a person is in that coffin. And in all actuality, it's like communism. It's just a red herring. And I'm wondering if this is all part of an elaborate plan to fake Felicity's death and the person that we think is in that coffin really isn't there 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 is nobody in that coffin uh as much as that's I think positive wishful thinking um <laughs> I think with having Barry come back though in the beginning of the season and him showing up and being there for Ollie um I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense now for that well for that I mean, to happen but on that note though I mean it's very possible that you know, to make this as believable as possible, they have to make Damien Dark believe that this person is truly dead. The least amount of people that know it, the better. So who's to say Barry honestly doesn't believe that this person is really dead at no, this point in true. time? That is very true. Um, I still, uh, my my gut is still saying it's Detective Lance. Um, the only thing that threw a little bit of a mix of confusion in my brain on that was uh, when they were talking about some of the upcoming episodes of Legends, that they are going to see a young Detective Lance in one of the episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. So um, I, I'm not quite sure is maybe that funeral scene that we saw where we did see a young Lance, if that was maybe maybe shot for Legends yeah, uh, and not Arrow. Um, so that does throw a couple questions into the mix. But I do think potentially that um, that was that that's still I think that theory holds a lot of water still, especially with what just happened in this past week. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to avoid it at all costs. I know. I, I know. I like you know when we were talking to uh, our friends over at DCR, none of us wanted to see uh, Paul Blackthorne go. Like he's been a great part of that show, but I mean, unfortunately, how much more of his story is there to tell at this point? 
Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a strong possibility now that if it's not Paul Blackthorne and his career is over, we could see him become a vital member of the team. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd love to see him wear a costume of some point. I don't think that would ever happen. You know, he would be more of like an inside man, uh, you know, for certain things. But, um, you know, but uh, he could be a, he beca- he could become a vital part of the team. He already is a vital part of the team, in my opinion. Yeah, he is. So. So, yeah, like I said, he has that very wonderful, like, j- like you know, good Jim Gordon kind of vibe to him that I do enjoy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the same time, though, too, it's. It, it, it's hard to think of another person that now fits the bill for to actually go. Uh, Felicity's mom has taken a very big backseat the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I think it's still all signs are pointing to him, and we'll probably know within the next few weeks because this was the last break that we were just coming out of. So it's a straight run to the finish line at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, on the on the note of Paul Blackthorne too, this is kind of it's still on the topic of uh, Paul Blackthorne, but it's uh, off the topic of Arrow. He was at a convention this week, and he posted he did a live video on Facebook. Which anytime any of those guys does a live video, I try and watch them as often as possible uh, because they just always tend to have a lot of fun. Especially you know John Barrowman, Stephen Amell, and and those guys. Um, and he he had a video where he was using his phone. He was he was live recording on Facebook, and he said, "I'm here at you know such and such con, but a situation has arisen, and I don't know how to handle it." And he turns, uh, you know, still with the phone in front of him, and he does a, a quick like 360 or um you know 180 turn, and behind him are the actress. I can't remember their names, but the actress that plays his ex wife, and the actress that plays Felicity's mother, and they're fake choking each other. <laughs> uh, you know, and he's like, this situation has come up and I really don't know how to handle it. He's like, if anybody out there has advice and all while he's sitting there talking about this, you know, pleading to the crowd, the two of them stop, stare at each other and then pretend to make out. <laughs> and it's just it's it's so damn funny. It's maybe only like a minute and a half long, but it just goes to show you how close that group is, how much fun they have, which would be all the more disappointing if it's Paul Blackthorne in the yeah, casket. Very true. Very, very true. I apologize to everybody. My voice looks like it's starting to slip a little bit. So uh, just bear with me for the rest of the episode. So yeah, we'll, we'll try and push forward a little bit more. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but before we wrap things up with Arrow, obviously, we had one last reveal. Damian Dark is now in prison, but uh, he has been given a gift while he was in there. We don't know from who. We can assume probably Malcolm Merlin. Um, that or, ring. Yeah. yeah. The ring that is in his mouth, which... I would assume is another totem potentially uh, to give him more chance. abilities. One thing I kind of saw, I know a couple of other people were saying it too on some forums. Uh, I love that his cell name was S six, which uh, felt like a nod to secret six. I don't know. Uh, that might just be wishful thinking, but the way that they like to slip some of that stuff in where they are is like, Oh, you know, where, where's uh, the stash at? It's like, Oh, the corner of like, you know, the warehouse of corner of O'Neill and Adams being two of the big comic creators responsible for green arrow. Um, but I, I think that maybe was a nice little nod in there. So, yeah. So I'm thinking. Uh, I th- I think we're still going to see a visit from Malcolm Merlin to Damian Dark while he is in prison. Uh, but before that, uh, I think we're going to see a prison break at some point from Damian Dark. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I know. know. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to escape it. It it's- is. So. Uh, but next week's episode, season four, episode seventeen, titled "Beacon of Hope," we're going to see the bug-eyed bandit. Uh, who escapes from jail and turns up at Palmer Tech, threatening to kill everyone in the building unless uh, she gets the biochip that Felicity has in her spine. 
Yeah, and most likely that's when we're going to finally see Curtis use the T-Spheres, most likely, which I'm really excited about, and that's one step closer to him becoming Mr. Terrific. Yeah, I I, I am too. Um, you know, because uh, listed in the cast, we, we have Echo Kellum, who plays, you know, Curtis, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Terrific, so, you know, he's in the cast. And um, a Walking Dead alum is going to be next week playing the Bug-Eyed Bandit. We're going to see Emily Kinney, mm-hmm. who played um, Beth, in uh who had one of the most heartbreaking deaths in walking dead spoiler alert if you're not you know through like season five of walking dead yet yeah which... like i said this is uh the second second uh appearance of bug-eyed bandit on the show so yeah i'm really looking forward to uh because she was a fun character she was a nice little foil for felicity so i'm looking forward to seeing uh that play out again yeah are you, you i i don't know if you watch walking dead did i just spoil that for you no it's okay i i haven't unfortunately i haven't been watching since about season three Okay. Uh, somewhere in the middle of the prison stuff, the mayor stuff. So something I've been meaning to get back to. I just haven't had the opportunity to do so. so I did actually did spoil it for you, but you, you just did. Won't. But I will totally forget it, dude. I have <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. much, so much way in the drugs going through me right now. And I'm keeping my <laughs> voice going with the hot toddy. So a lot of bourbon. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's all good. Uh, so we last piece of business in our Secret Origins segment and probably the most important and I know probably the one where Rob and I are the most on opposite ends but um, you know and I want to preface this too uh, and give your voice a a rest for a minute Rob Um, Rob and I are on opposite ends of this though again he was more a fan of this movie than I was and this is something that I firmly believe and I've even posted on Facebook because of the mix of uh, the reviews and I I won't read it verbatim but I'll I'll sum it up Uh, to all of our listeners out there you know whether you like a movie or you don't whether people like the movie and tell you it was horrible or people tell you that they loved it and such. Go, go see movies for yourself. Don't listen to... I know I am a film critic, but don't listen to film critics, you know, want wholeheartedly. It's You can get a good idea from what they say, but uh, don't take what they say completely to heart. Don't help them... Don't let them make your decision complete. Support the film industry. Support the theaters. Go and see the movie for yourself and form your own opinion. I, I mean, that's really all I can say because, again... I know people who read my review. I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. I know people who read my review who hated it even worse than what I said. And I know people who read my review went to see the movie and absolutely loved it. I encourage you to go see the movie. Whether you agree with my review or not, you know, you might, you might not, you might be right on point. But yeah, uh, and know, one, of, one of the things I want to say to follow up to that too is um, I think the reason one of the this movie comes out under as much scrutiny as it does again, it's a very different film. Um, uh, comic book movies have become, you know, we we've very much become used to what a comic book movie is now versus what they were ten years ago, and this did something different that I think a lot of us just didn't expect. So I think right off the bat is if you're expecting kind of the tonal stuff that you see in something along the lines of Deadpool or most of the other Marvel films. Um, you definitely were not seeing anything of that like. Um, but I think one of the things to remember, though, too, is that's very tricky, is a lot of the characters we're getting in Marvel films, comic book fans are the ones that know them most. The average Joe doesn't know who Ant-Man is, all this stuff. But if you ask anybody, everybody knows who Batman and Superman are, and everybody has their own ideas of who that those characters are. So I think it's almost impossible to ever get those characters written correctly to please any fan of those characters there's so many interpretations and everybody has their own that they love so go in again thinking if you haven't seen it yet uh well if you haven't seen it yet you should also stop, not yeah, be listening stop to listening this. <laughs> yeah. 
But um, before we get into spoiler territory, just remember that every one of these movies, whether it's a Marvel movie or a DC movie, they take different tones with every character that comes to the screen because you have to do certain things to make them work. Uh, you may not agree with the way that they, they did them, but it's an interpretation of its own and base it solely on that interpretation. It's the best thing you can do for any comic book movie. And the fact that they're just even making these movies to begin with is wonderful. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is the and when I say what I say about, you know, go see movies for yourself, I don't just mean Batman and Superman. I mean, every movie. Don't let critics dictate what your choice is. If you want to see a movie, if you're interested in the movie, you can read the reviews all you want. Uh, go see the movie. Indeed. Form your own opinion. It, that goes for every movie, not Indeed. Batman versus Superman, uh, not just Batman versus Superman. But uh, back to Batman versus Superman. Um there were definitely, again, there were definitely a lot of high points to this movie that I enjoyed. Believe it or not. Um, I think there was more high points than there were low points. I think the biggest problem with the film right off the bat is if you really wanted to say anything major about it, there was a good 30 minutes you could have easily shaved off of this film that would have oh, been absolutely. More, co more cohesive and I think more enjoyable from start to finish. But beyond that, 30 minutes out of two hours and 40 minutes, which is, again, two hours and 40 minutes is an awful long runtime to begin with. But, uh, I, th I think what they got right far outweighed what they got wrong. Well, I mean, let's talk about some of our high points for us. Okay, uh, yeah, let's first. do it. Um, I think uh, I think we're both in agreement. Uh, probably the highest point of this movie, and it was something I predicted was going to be the case anyway. Affleck as Batman is, is phenomenal. Like, I want to see more of him as Batman. I do too. Um, I and uh, yeah, I, I loved him. Um, I also think it was my absolute favorite Alfred I've ever seen on screen. Jeremy Irons killed it. Like, just did a beautiful job. It was somebody that was tired of seeing somebody that he thinks of as his son going out and doing these things. And he even Alfred thinks he's going, he's crossing the line and he's trying to kind of keep his son and hold his son back. Um, and he got that across. But it was also that tech savvy Alfred that's always existed in the comic books. He's the man that has been you know, Bruce's surgeon, his help make all the gadgets, all these things. And it was finally nice to see the real Alfred on screen. Yeah, I mean, point counterpoint to that. I, I, I do agree that Jeremy Irons was great for that role. That was a great role. But, I mean, to me, Alfred has always been a butler. And I never got that aspect ah, of the character. Again, that's 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 a lot of years of comic reading. That's uh, the that's the Alfred I always know and loved uh, was that variation of him. I mean, you see a lot more of that in the new Fifty Two one, but even going back into like Grant Morrison's run, um, you know, that was a big part of it. I mean, he was the man that created, you know, just recently in the comic books, uh, you know, there's a We Are Robin storyline that just wrapped up a couple months ago, where he. You know, with Bruce missing, he drafts all these kids that are on the like, you know, on the streets fighting, fighting the good fight, and basically kind of creates a, a a new cavalcade of Robins to take them on, and is supplying them their tech and all these things. I mean, this is the uh, this is the Alfred I've known for a long time, and it was nice to finally see that real that version that I've been attached to for so long. Yeah, uh, some other positives of the movie. I know two things off the bat that I was actually very worried about. With this film turned out to be two things I were very I was very pleased with. Uh, one of them being I was very worried that there was going to be too many characters introduced into this, uh, you know, because we knew we were going to see the Flash, which we did. We saw Aquaman and we saw Cyborg as well. But I was very pleased in the way they handled it, as in they pretty much showed their faces. They introduced them pretty much just to give the audience, let the audience know, hey, these guys exist. Now let's move on. Yeah, uh, they didn't focus too much on it. Out of a movie running time of two hours and twenty, uh, two hours and thirty-five minutes, like six minutes, maybe not even. I think not it even. was maybe three. 
Yeah. At that. And so for yeah, I think that was that was great. I'm happy that they just said, you know, Lex has got a dossier on these people and that's all it is. And it was his first getting a chance to watch those videos and that's it. Yes. Well, actually, it was Diana watching them. Uh, yes. Yeah. Diana and, was watching the files. And uh, that was great. I thought it was perfect. That was, the, I think, the best way they could have done it. Um, and even the quick scenes we got of all of them. I mean, I love seeing Silas Stone sitting there trying to save his son and having the mother box freak out and connect to Victor. Um, and yeah, the nice little, nod to the, nice little nod to the mother box I thought was great. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's that. I mean, the Flash stuff was very quick. We do get another quick appearance of the Flash and another point in the film we'll go into in a minute. And uh, Aquaman's quick moment made me really excited for an Aquaman movie. I'll be honest. So, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that as well. Um, you know, there's a... Uh, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, uh, the other positive thing that I was actually... And believe it or not, this is something you might even be surprised about. Uh, one thing I was very worried about with this film that I think they did decent, and I was very pleased with the way they did it, was Doomsday. Yeah, I was um, actually fairly happy with what they did with it. Like I said, even when we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, when I brought it up, I was like, you know, kind of takes that old, like, there's that 60s, 60s, 70s version of Lex Luthor as the mad scientist, not just the philanthropist. Um, so we got to see that side of Lex a bit. And, uh, you know, Lex in current 52, you know, makes Bizarro and all these things. So it's kind of, it tied all these things together in a nice, neat little way. Yeah, uh, but I think what really sealed the deal, though, for me with Doomsday is the fact that they stayed true to the storyline. And again, if you have not seen the movie yet, this is the first big spoiler. Uh, so stop listening for now until you watch the movie. Um, they stay true to the storyline, and they you we've seen the death of Superman, which I didn't see coming. I was amazed I didn't see this coming. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they would do it in the film, and they did it. And I was actually kind of pleased that they did it. It was an amazing scene. It was him rushing with that, you know, kryptonite spear. And it was this very, th that was one of my, I think my favorite Superman moments on screen ever of him being like, this is the right thing to do. And this was, that was the moment that Henry Cavill became Superman for me, um, was that moment of taking that blow. And I was very, very pleased because it, it solidified him as Superman and then that moment that happened in Doomsday plunging that bone spur through his stomach and I'm like, holy shit, I like didn't see that happening. Well, I mean, even down to the comic book storyline, you know, the Death of Superman storyline, that's pretty much how it happens in the in the comic book, is that it was the it was the mortal the final blow from each of these guys at the same time, which mm -hmm. was the mortal blow for both of them. Yeah. You know, it was Superman plunging the spear into Doomsday and Doomsday plunging that that bone spear into into Superman. Yeah. And it killed both of them. Yeah, and like I said, I you know, one thing I was a little sad and disappointed about is we didn't get the uh, the his his cape on a stick flowing in the wind as Lois is holding him. That iconic shot from you know the death of Superman. I was kind of hoping that was going to be there when that happened, but at the same time I was like, wow, uh, props to you guys for doing that. I didn't expect you you would pull that trigger. Yeah, I mean, and even I, I did still have issues with Doomsday being able to fire off energy bursts and and beams from his eyes, but I got over that pretty quick. Um, yeah, you know. Um, it, I, I got my growing bone spurs. I was I was happy. I you know if that fight went on longer, I think we would have seen the classic Doomsday that we know, because um, he was definitely morphing into that as the fight was progressing. Um, but yeah, I was uh, I was pretty happy with it though. I yeah, was very happy I, with that idea. I was too. So I was I was very pleased with uh, with how they handled Doomsday. Um, I'm trying to think what other positives that I might have have off the top of my head. 
for uh for I got a couple I got a couple too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I will say right off the bat too, Gal Gadot. Oh my god, she was fantastic. Yes. Loved yes. her. I, I absolutely loved her. I and, do agree with that. And I think one of the things that I think hurts this movie a little bit was the fact that the trailers really did show a lot of these amazing moments. Um and I think it would have been amazing. I wish I could go back in time, not watch a single um, moment of this film, know nothing about it um, prior to going into it, because I love the way that they kind of had her function in the movie. Uh, before we even see, uh, saw her suited up in the classic suit, uh, she gave off a very classic uh, Selena Kyle um, to, to Bruce, where if you didn't know that was supposed to be a Wonder Woman, it would have made you question a little bit until they got into it a bit. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of kind of a cool thing to do, especially if you were maybe, uh, you know, uh, a virgin on the trailers and didn't see anything going into this movie that would have made you question a couple things. Uh, but yeah, uh, when they did have her finally suit up and fight, I loved the smile she gave when she was in the middle of fighting. Um, all these little things that just made her very fun and it made me very excited to to not only see again uh, the Ben Affleck Batman movie. But uh, the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman film. Uh, and on that note, too, we we saw a picture of uh, Wonder Woman from the past, from like 100 years in the past. Yeah, it was like 1918, I think. And in that picture, we see uh, Chris Pine, yep, who we know is going to be in the movie. Yeah, he'll and, be playing Steve Trevor. And I'm curious about this. I haven't looked into the cast of the movie, but uh, a little nod to the classic Super Friends cartoon, at least in my opinion. Did we see Apache Chief? I don't know. I got to take a look at that again. I know because there is an shot. Indian in the picture. I don't think they would go Apache Chief. In all honesty, I think that that's a little hard stretch. But uh, I'll get. I'll have to do some digging on that. But I don't think they. they I don't think they'd go that cheese. Because <laughs> I thought that would be a nice, cool little nod to the original Super Friends. If that's Apache Chief, it would be funny. It would make me smile. Um, so yeah. Uh, another strong point of this that I just realized, too, and I know uh, there's a lot of differences. It seems to be the general consensus with a lot of people that Affleck was an amazing Batman and Gal Gadot was was great as Wonder Woman. Uh, but something that I see both sides of the spectrum on in this one, and I happen to be on the positive, is I actually really enjoyed, and much to my surprise, Jesse Eisenberg as Luther. Yeah, I actually enjoyed him a lot, too. Uh, I didn't think I was going to. I think he had maybe one or two moments where... He was a little much, a little over the top in like a scene or two. Um, but for the most part, though, really good performance. Um, I really liked the re- what he did to bring these two people to fight. It, it worked. Um, it actually did work. He was smart. He was very interesting. Um, he, he was very captivating to watch. And that's the one thing I think that I've actually had a problem with with a lot of comic book movies in the past is the villains are always very the same. They're very one note. Um, you never get to know them. The heroes and the story is the fun part, and the villain is just kind of just there. This was nice to see a villain actually feel like a villain. It was that was something I was very pleased with. Yeah, I mean, he becomes downright maniacal by the end of this film, and yeah. it's you know when he's holding you know Martha Kent hostage in order to make Superman do his will. I mean, it's that's downright evil, and it's typical Lex. Which I, I really enjoyed. I didn't think that was good casting on the part of it leading up to this, but um, I actually changed my mind, and I was very pleasantly surprised as to how much I actually enjoyed Jesse Eisenberg as Luther. Yeah, they 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 very much made it work. It was that, like I said, as we said, it's a little bit of Palmer Lucky and you know Mark Zuckerberg 
uh, with extreme case of Asperger's and and <laughs> other other probably mental issues. But uh, you know, he he was a psychopath, and yeah, he, but he was very interesting to watch. Very yeah. very interesting to watch on screen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, any other positive points for you before we move into some of the negatives that we might have? Uh, yeah, I, there there is one, and I, unfortunately, it's attached to a negative. Um, well, I think we might as well get into it. Is there's the dream sequence in this movie that shows us the apocalyptic, um, you know, ruled Earth of Darkseid bringing the fire pits of Apocalypse to Earth. We did get to see the parademons, and well, all that stuff was very cool. Uh, a scene that went on far too long. Yeah, uh, I think agreed. Also, and it wasn't, I don't think, the writing. It was just very poorly edited into the film. Um, I think that's really, again, where a lot of my issues with this film come from. It's not the writing or directing. It was the editing. Um, there were some very odd editing moments in this film that made me kind of like, wait, huh? This could have easily been trimmed back. This did not need to be this long. The placement of this felt weird. Those things, which I think hurt the film. But... There was a moment at the end of that where we see a portal open up into the Batcave. Uh, and we see a armored Flash um, speaking to Bruce. And that moment, for comic book fans, made me very, very smiley. Um, just for the moment of some of the dialogue he mentions is kind of like, she's the key, do not let her die, being Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a nod to Injustice, if anybody's played the Injustice video game. Uh, the reason that Superman goes vile and rogue and evil is because of uh, Joker killing Lois Lane. And he becomes that dictatorish, evil Superman that becomes unhinged and unstoppable and kind of there purely to rule. Uh, like, starts killing, starts going batshit nuts. And uh, I thought that was a really nice nod to that. Even the Flash suit from that moment, because Injustice is Flash very armored up. Um, so I thought that was a very cool nod. Um, so it made me, sm- it definitely made me smile, but it was also a little uh, Crisis of Infinite Earths like though too. See, I was um, I was confused by that scene. Like I, I got what the you know the parademons and and everything about that, and and you know the the nod to Dark Side with the Omega symbol. I understood that, but I think that the Flash from the future, you know, popping out and, you know, the, the armored flash, I think it was a little confusing uh, to myself because honestly, the first time when I saw that, I didn't know that's who that was. Um, you know, cause we didn't, if you've never read that part of the comic books, I think that's very confusing to viewers because you haven't even been shown yet what Flash's face looks like. Right. You haven't seen that until later in the movie. Had we seen what the Flash looked like, had we seen Ezra Miller's face before that moment, it might have made a little bit more sense. But, like, I didn't realize that's who that was until I got home and I looked online. Yeah. And I think, honestly, like I said, that's why I said it kind of is attached to a negative. It's just the fact that that sequence, I think you could have just did the movie without it completely. Yeah. It wouldn't have hurt, I think, the movie at all. But I mean, it was a it was a fun nod for fanboys. Um, but I don't think it does anything to improve the film. I, I don't think it needed to be there. But if you did see it and you did catch it, it's like one of those movies. It's one of those things that would have made a lot more sense as an after credit sequence. What makes people guess and wonder what's happening that Marvel does very well? Because um, a lot of times you're like, who is that? What what is that supposed to mean? Um, and it's something for you to ponder on. Um, I think it was just odd being in that place of the film, but that's about it. Um, yeah, you know. but that that actually goes a little bit more into one of my negatives of the film is that I think um, I would really think I would like Justice League better if Zack Snyder was not directing. 
And I, I, the main reason for that is I think Zack Snyder spent... It's not that he's not a good director. I think that he focused too much on setting up Justice League in this film than he actually did the story at hand, which is Batman versus Superman. We have a movie with a running time of two hours and 35 minutes. And maybe a total of 25 minutes of that is shared screen time between these two characters. We don't see a lot of shared screen time between these two until the end of the film. But, you know, actually, and I, was, I wanted more of that. I, I did too, but I was actually very much okay with it. Uh, I really like the fact that the film played up on the morality end and it was dealing with the two people and it's getting to know them before you have this climactic fight in this, this moment. Like you do get the quick moment after you have that wonderful Matt, uh, Matt Bomeo sequence that we get to see in the flick. Um, and then, you know, you have your big end fight, <clears throat> but I, I mean, I think, I think the justice lead setup stuff really ultimately came out of the epilogue of the film, which was a little long. Um, you know, if you take that, the dream sequence and, um, you know, the metahuman files, that was really the big, only big setup points for that. Uh, this felt very Watchmen esque more than it did as an action film. And I think that's where there's going to be a lot of confusion for people is if, again, you're thinking summer blockbuster, turn your brain off. Well, hate to say this, but 45 minutes of the movie of, of this movie is only the action stuff that you probably came to see. Everything else is very much Watchmen. Um, yeah. And I was okay with that because it was nice. You know, I'm happy to see something different. Um, and I'm very happy that they decide to go in a different direction. But ultimately, I do agree with you. I think Zack Snyder is not a bad director, but he's not the greatest director. Um, no. And that's all. And like I said, he did Watchmen wonderfully because he did panel for panel. He basically had his storyboards done for him. But this is an arduous task that I don't think any director really was going to be very capable of doing um, with what Warner Brothers was kind of putting in the demand of them. is said, we have to get our universe rolling and we're going to do it in a film, um, which is tricky, I think, for anybody. But I think ultimately it served its purpose by was i think we all said it before the movie didn't have to be amazing it just had to be good and i think it achieved being good and made me want to see those characters on their own next and that made me happy with everything it made me want to still see these characters yeah i mean again it's it's not that i didn't enjoy the film i mean this was something that whether i was looking forward to seeing it or not you know again i put my differences with man of steel aside this is the first time we're seeing these two characters on screen together in any theatrical film i was going to be there for that no matter what mm -hmm. and and that's why i was there um you know, going back to what you had mentioned with, with the, you know, the dream sequences and everything, I think had we just gotten the epilogue of the film plus the quick glimpses of the characters in the in this in the surveillance films, I think to me would have been enough to yeah. set up Justice League. I think we it's didn't all needed. Need, we didn't need the the Dark Side dream sequences. You could have set up Dark Side with Lex's rant at the end, which would have left everybody wondering what is he talking about, and. And then set it up, start setting up Darkseid in Justice League Part 1. Yeah, and that's I think that would have been perfectly fine. I think it would have been more than enough. And again, you would have cut the running time down to, you know, two hours and ten minutes rather than two hours and 35 minutes. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, ultimately, again, though, too, like, I know, like, you, you felt the movie was good. Not great, but good. And yeah. for me, like, when I got out of the theater, I was very happy. Um, you know, and like having to break it down this way for everybody that's listening is you do have to do it from a critical point, the same way that we do the episodes every week. Um, as a fanboy for me, I love the movie. Um, 
you know, not without its flaws, but like I said, it's the same way I viewed, you know, Star Wars. If you've heard me talk about that before in the past, like uh, for Force Awakens or Jurassic World or any of those things. All the, there's no movie in my mind that is ever going to be a perfect movie. Maybe with the exception of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think was one of my favorites in a long time. Um, but it's a, it, it's a really tricky place to find yourself in because if you are an old school DC head, um, there's a lot to love about this movie. But there's, you know, as an average person seeing a flick, you never know. Uh, like I said, I think the best thing anybody told me, you know, when we left uh, seeing Force Awakens, it says... As a Star Wars film, amazing, amazing movie. As a normal movie, I give it about a six or a seven. And I'm like, I can understand that. I mean, there's you can do that with just about any flick. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, at the start of this, I went in as both a fan and a film critic. Uh, the fanboy in me at the end of the movie, I gave the movie like a solid eight. I loved it. And then I shifted into critic mode when I had to write the review. And that's when it got down, downside to like a 5.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say to wrap this up, though, I'm very curious as to what was taken out of this film. And for that reason, I'm looking forward to the Blu-ray. I actually already pre-ordered it. I, I'm, I plan to pre-order it probably this week um, um, because yeah. I want to see what how the dynamic of this story changes with what they're adding back in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's a lot more of it is set up stuff which I think is one of the reasons they cut back as much as they did. Um, but I think for the people that really walked away loving this movie and want to know more about the greater DC universe, that edition is the one you're going to want to watch. Uh, if you didn't get into that stuff, uh, I, I would I would probably recommend passing on it because um, it doesn't sound like you're going to get much beyond that stuff. It's That's like I said, we get Barbara Gordon, we get some more stuff with Lex dealing with him and his knowledge of kind of like the new gods and dark side um i know we're gonna get a longer fight sequence for both i think the batman warehouse fight sequence plus the batman versus superman fight uh and a couple other things i know uh, one of the things i guessed when we installed the film um was that reporter that was working for the ceo or, not, or no not ceo <laughs> cia sorry CIA. sorry brain drugs sad um, <laughs> <clears throat> but was Jimmy Olsen, and that's exactly who I thought that was, which I thought was kind of cool. In um, which Zack Snyder killed him off and said, you know, like there really wasn't room for Jimmy in this in this story and, and this universe, so it was pretty much just a quick nod to get him in there, and now yeah, he's gone. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, just the fact that they had to nod to it just, just, to, just because they thought it was fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, again, I think me and Ben both kind of agree. It's a fun movie, but make sure... Make up your own mind if you want to see it. Don't let people tell you what you're allowed to like or not like. Enjoy it on the merits that you want to enjoy it on. Um, and whether you walk away from that film loving it, loving it or hating it, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, listen to what we have to say, of course, because you're listening to our podcast. Uh, but other than that, yeah, <laughs> go and see the movie yourself. Go and form your own opinion. Again, uh, I highly encourage you, even though my review gave it a 5.5, 5, um, I highly encourage you to go see this movie in theaters because that's when you're really going to get the true effect of it. Um, save 3D. You don't have to see it in 3D. Yeah. Uh, but see it on a big screen. See it on IMAX. You know, see it however you want to see it. Just go see it. Yeah. And that's the that's the most important. Part. Like I said, I think the good far outweighs the bad. Um, again, some some pacing problems, uh, some pacing and editing issues are what bogged this film down. Um, beyond that, though, there's a lot of really fun moments, and I will agree with Ben. This is this is the best Batman we've ever seen on screen. Yes. Um, and uh, to 
counterpoint one of the things out there before we get into news real quick. Uh, I know some people have issues with uh, some murdering, uh, a very murderous Batman in this movie. Um, it, they did make a good point of that. You know, the you know it seemed like he only branded about two or three people from what they were saying at the start of the film. Uh, he just kind of started on this road. This is a very, very weary, world weary Batman at this point. Um, they even make a great line that you know how many you know how many heroes are left or how many even stayed that way. Yeah, uh, this is this is a Batman that has obviously gone through the ringer and has been taken over the edge, and uh, you even see it very very clearly when that warehouse fight's happening when he's going to save Martha Kent, going up against the KGB beast. Uh, um, that. There is a great moment that's almost a panel for panel out of the the Dark Knight uh, Returns, where he goes instead of a uh, in you know a lot of people were kind of like you know expecting him to shoot you know uh, KGB Beast in the head in that scene, which uh, was exactly what happened in the comics. Instead, he shot the tank, and I love there was a moment from uh, Zack Snyder coming out there and said, "Hey, why aren't, why aren't you going to do that? That's that's a shot from the book directly." And he's like, I'm not going to be the one to put a gun in Batman's hands and have him shoot somebody square in the face. He's like, I refuse to do that. And I'm like, but, you know, ultimately, that dream sequence, Batman used guns an awful lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But again, so. dream sequence, not actually, you know, it's a it's things that could could yet to come kind of thing. Yeah. So. And I will say, as we wrap this up, uh, that fight scene. Oh, my God. One of the best fight scenes in that film. It was watching like a. The games Arkham, Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, you know, yeah. it was watching that style fighting on screen and it was perfect. Yeah, that's and that's what I was already sold on him as Batman. But that that scene solidified it. Yeah. And, and I was like, yeah, this guy is Batman. And like, I want to see more of this. So uh, but let's get ready to wrap things up. But before we do that, we move into our DC Essentials category where we go over some DC news and, of course, we make some recommendations for some things we want you to check out uh, that we think you might be interested in. Uh, but starting off with the news, I know I think I had more than you did Yeah, I this have week. very, very little this week. Uh, so do you want me to go first or you go want to go first? Go for it. Uh, all right, so cool. Uh, starting off on the topic of Batman versus Superman and Justice League, Amber Heard has confirmed her role in both films, Justice League and Aquaman. Uh, earlier this year, you know, it was rumored that Amber was going to be up for a major role in Justice League and Aquaman, and they have been confirmed by Heard herself. Uh, she will be appearing as Mara, which is Aquaman's wife, in Justice League Part One before co-starring with Jason Momoa in the Aquaman movie. Cool. So, uh, Justice League Part 1 is currently in production, and according to Amber Heard, her outfit is still being finalized. Uh, she says it's interesting. It's like half-suit armor and half-scales. It's strange. We're in, the building, uh, we're in the process of building it now, so it's coming along. Yeah. So, And uh, uh, as far as Justice League 2, they did say that film will have a drastically lighter tone. Um, they said this was kind of like the Empire Strikes Back in the mix of all this stuff. So, uh, expect a, a lot more light-hearted... Um, stylization and apparently they've even kind of mentioned that justice league is going to have a kind of seven samurai feel to it as well which i'm kind of interested in yeah uh justice league part one will hit theaters on the day after my birthday next year so if you want to know when that is uh look up my bio no it's november 17th 2017 and aquaman will be july 27th 2018 
So, uh, another piece of news going back to Supergirl. Uh, CBS has revealed a synopsis for Supergirl's April 11th episode, uh, an, install- an installment titled Myriad. And the episode rundown reveals that former WWE diva Eve Torres has been cast as Maxima and will appear in the episode along with returning villains Non and Indigo. Uh, the episode will feature Supergirl challenged by Nan and Indigo's latest attack, which turns National City's population into their personal army. Uh, Maxima is a nice nod, again, to the death of Superman storyline. Because Maxima is a character powerful enough that she pretty much is the only one that can hold her own against Doomsday with uh, with Superman, alongside Superman. So I'm very, ser- I'm very curious to see where they're going to go with this. Because it doesn't reveal whether or not... Uh, her storyline uh, ties directly into the villain's attack. Yeah. We got a lot of Death of Superman talk this week. I'm okay with that. That was a fun story back in the day. I'm perfectly fine with it. Uh-huh. So I, I'd actually like to go back and reread it at some point. I can lend you my trades. Oh, I have them. Cool. <laughs> Trust me. You don't have to lend them to me. I got them. Uh, I have that, Funeral for a Friend, and the, the Return of Superman. I have them all. Cool. So... Uh, and lastly, on my end, uh, Grant Gustin wants Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, and Legends all to cross over at some point. Uh, on March 28th, a.k.a. tonight, fans of both CW's Flash and CW er, and CBS's Supergirl will be in for a fun time as the heroes cross over for the very first time. Uh, the Flash's Grant Gustin, however, has his eyes set on an even bigger prize. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Gustin went into some detail as to what the crossover episode will be dealing with and how they will handle the Flash appearing in Kara's world. Uh, one of his favorite moments is pulled directly from the comics where he and Big Blue were involved in a foot race to see which one was truly faster, and this time around it would be Supergirl challenging his, his speed. Mm-hmm. Um, executive producer Andrew Kreisberg and Gustin want everyone to join in on the fun at some point, though. Uh, it's one of my favorite moments in this episode, says Kreisberg. It's close, hopefully close enough that they'll need a rematch next season, maybe with Green Arrow and the Legends as an audience. Uh, that's in the cards at this point, says Gustin. The whole point of us doing this crossover is setting up the fact that maybe next year we can cross them all over at the same time. That would be amazing. I would, would love it. Fantastic. We need to see a Supergirl season two first, though. Yeah, they they still have been a little uh, pussyfooting around a little bit about full and announcing. I know we announced it a couple weeks ago that it sounded like it was a definite, but uh, CBS has yet to apparently confirm that. So we're we're waiting. Most likely, as Ben and me were talking earlier, he stated that uh you know probably wait until the ratings hit after this week's episode before they make the announcement yeah exactly so uh moving on to the news i had here um there was not one but two trailers for the lego batman movie which are phenomenal (laughs) they look so good uh man i am so excited about that i think that's one of the ones i think i think kat said she's probably gonna skip on uh, she was not the biggest fan of the lego movie which i still think is blasphemous but it's okay um (laughs) And uh, so that that one, I think Ben, you and me need to have a DC primetime outing to go see that flick. Works uh, for me. So, uh, it so falls yeah. it falls in the vicinity. It does. We have to talk about it anyway. So yep, let's do it together. But that movie looks great. That one definitely see, uh, seems like if you have the opportunity to have a dine in theater, go get a couple drinks and sit down and watch because it's probably going to be wonderful. Um, but beyond that, uh, also we do have a couple other things to talk about real quick. Uh, we did find out that uh, Megalyn E.K. Uh, did confirm that Vixen Season 2, the animated series, is happening. They've already started production on it, and I think she's already going in for voice work. So, And she did mention that there has not been rulings out of her um, you know, reappearing on something like Arrow or the later 
shows like Legends of Tomorrow, so it sounds like we will be seeing her return sometime soon, but at least the CW Seed animated series will be continuing for a season two. Um, Also, we have found out that DC Comics has released their information for DC Rebirth, specifically their books and their creative teams. Uh, There's a lot to go over there, so I just highly recommend hopping over to someplace like Comic Book Resources, taking a look at the listings of who's going to be writing, who's doing art for the new lineups of books, and it seems very much like we're getting the pre-New 52 Superman kind of taking over the Superman role, which is very exciting. But prior to Rebirth starting, we will be finding out the name of the Joker um, officially. So that's uh, been teased a couple issues back in Justice League when Batman took over Metatron's Mobius chair. That one of the questions he asked that he was been able to get uh, been given all of the knowledge of the universe is the second question he asked was who really is the joker that will be answered in issue 50 of justice league i am very very excited to see what they do with this i know a lot of us always thought it was best to keep that quiet but you know after that tease i'm really really curious yeah yeah uh yeah same with me as well uh i think uh beyond that though uh it, it's uh it was a fairly quiet week. Most of the things were kind of just digging around uh, a lot of uh, discussions with Batman versus Superman, mainly a lot of stuff happening in the critics world, but we're not going to bother diving into any of that stuff. We kind of made our piece already on that. And uh, yeah, that, that kind of closes us up on news this week. Cool. Uh, so then to wrap things up for this podcast, we have to, of course, make our recommendations. And I know we usually discuss this beforehand, but we didn't. Did, did you have anything this week? Cause I know I do. Uh, why don't you go ahead and I will come up with something very quickly. Okay. Uh, the one thing I want to recommend this week is, of course, um, it is something that premiered at WonderCon, uh, this past weekend. That's the, that's the con that, uh, Paul Blackthorne was at, was WonderCon, uh, this past weekend. Uh, and will be released on digital download starting tomorrow and then on Blu-ray April 12th, a little bit further down the road, uh, you know, a couple weeks out. But, uh, the new release from the DC Universe, uh, animated features, that being just Justice League versus Teen Titans. This is something I have not seen yet, but I'm recommending purely on the buzz that came out of WonderCon that this is another fantastic animated movie uh, from the DC Universe. So, do you have the rec- you have the release date on that yet? Uh, yeah, the, uh, as I had mentioned, release date is um, uh, digital download March 29th. Which, if you're as tomorrow, by by the time you're listening to this, will be today. Um, you know, so by the time you're listening to this, it'll be available for digital download, uh, and then on home media. Blu-ray DVD on April 12th. Awesome. Uh, for me, I actually, I, I've been really enjoying um, the New 52's wrap-up uh, before we go into Rebirth, but there's one book I absolutely adore, uh, and as we mentioned before, I know uh, Sean and Brian over at DCR love it too, and I highly recommend it. If you haven't got a chance, pick up Midnighter. Um, there's only a couple issues left to go. It's just a fun character. Uh, I, I can't say enough about that book. It's just incredibly enjoyable he's just a fun brash character you know it's dealing with a lot of his personal life and his his vigilante life and kind of where they coincide but it, it's a great read i think everybody should check it out it's you know a, a little it, like i said everybody kind of jokes it's gay batman but not <laughs> not quite uh, but it's fun it's a really really awesome read i highly recommend yeah. And also on the note of Batman versus Superman, as we had mentioned, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the, the Death of Superman storyline. If you haven't read it, go back and read Death of Story, Death of Superman. Uh, it's still to this day one of my all time favorite, you know, uh, series of, uh, you know, series of the, the Superman comic books. 
Mm-hmm. And it's still a very easily accessible trade to pick up at pretty much any bookstore or pick it up on Comixology. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think that's going to be it, though. I mean, as you had mentioned with the, uh, you know, the DC Comics and, and, you know, where they're going with that. If you want some more information on that, you admit you had just mentioned to them. You had just mentioned them. Uh, highly recommend checking out DCR podcast as, as on top of ours. You know, when it comes to the comic books, our friends Brian and Sean over there really know what they're talking about. I've I don't even really read the DC comic books anymore, but I still listen to their podcast just because they're a blast to listen to. Indeed. So. All right. And a bunch of our audience came from them too. Yeah. So of course we thank you guys. We thank you guys for listening to us for still listening to us. Uh, but that's going to wrap things up for this week's uh, issue of DC Prime Time. Uh, cheap plugs before we get out of here. I can be found on again. This is on the Next Level Podcast Network. So Next Level Radio Online dot com. Uh, you can find all the other podcasts on the Next Level uh, Podcast Network there as well as previous episodes of this, uh, follow us on Twitter at NXT Level Radio. And, of course, if you have any suggestions for anything DC-related for a podcast that you would like to hear us talk about or review ourselves, you can email us at dcprimetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. Yep, and you can always check us out at Caffeine Crew. Uh, it's just caffeinecrew.com. And if you like, feel free to find us on Facebook and Twitter at just Caffeine Crew as well. Or you can reach out to me on email at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. You can also email DC, uh, DC Primetime at DC Primetime at nextlevelradioonline.com. I said um, that already, didn't I? Uh, I don't know. I forget. Oh, again, I thought I did. Again, brain. Double coverage. Brain, squishy, drugs, yep. tired. Sick. <laughs> uh, and always a big thanks to George Shaw. Please go over and check out his music over at georgeshawmusic.com. We thank him every week for the amazing music that is at the start and end of the show. And it's Which you're probably, hearing at the, you're probably hearing at this point. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next week and hopefully feeling much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. Uh, and real quick, too, and as part of the cheap plugs, I don't really mention it enough, but uh, find us on Facebook as well, too, uh, along with Caffeine Crew. Uh, find Next Level Podcast Network there, too. Next Level Radio, or Facebook.com slash Next Level Radio online and give us a like. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, so... Uh, join us next week for another DC primetime in which we will get the return of all four shows we'll be back uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow back as well Uh, but until then we will see you guys around the bend take care peace